Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So today we are wrapping up our Thanksgiving message series. We have been reading from Psalm 100 over the past five weeks. It's been a, been a pretty long week here. Uh, five weeks we have been reading from Psalm 100, and it's a great song, a corporate song of call to worship, of recognizing who God is, recognizing what God has done in our lives and, and how we should properly respond to Him. And so I want to read out loud Psalm 100. Normally we read it out together, uh, but today we will just read, I'll read it myself. It says, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Amen. And so today we're going to wrap up our journey through Psalm 100 by exploring verse 5, which says specifically, For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. And if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to bring a Bible with you, to bring your iPad or your phone with you and get the Bible app, because days like today where the screen doesn't work, you can still follow with us where we're at. I encourage you to get into your Bibles every day and bring them with you on Sunday. So we know that the fifth response to what God is, to who he is, is an enduring partnership. It says, for the Lord is good. It says, his Lord, the Lord is good, and it says that the unfailing love of him continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. That word enduring, okay, so I made that up. I, took, I said, okay, so how can I summarize this passage? And I said, okay, our response to God and who he is is an enduring partnership, enduring. What does the word enduring mean? Enduring is giving the sense of something lasting and something timeless. The word partnership is like it continues regardless of circumstances. So I looked up the definition of the word enduring, and this is what I found. Enduring says, having an existence or validity that does not change or diminish. So when something endures, it means that, it, that regardless of circumstances, it doesn't matter whether or not you know, it's favorable or not it will continue regardless. So it says, having an existence or validity that does not change or diminish. And then I looked up some synonyms to the word enduring. And there are some very interesting words. Ageless. Something that's enduring is ageless. It can, it's continuing. It's lasting. It's ongoing. Perpetual and undying. This is the kind of relationship that God desires to have with us. But this idea of things that are unbroken, things that are undying, that, that are lasting forever, is a hard concept for us to, to grasp. I mean, we're surrounded by things constantly, things that do not last, things that are broken. And so one of those ideas is cars. How many times have you heard somebody say, man, they sure don't make them like they used to? It's true. 
Now, cars barely make it to 100,000 miles when I see people driving cars that have 250,000 miles on them from the 70s. Cars oftentimes are made out of cheaper materials. Cars don't last. TVs don't last. I remember growing up, my parents had one of those televisions that was inside the furniture box, the kind that was made of wood, and it had the, the knobs on it, the UHF signals, and you, know, you had the big channel one and then the little tiny channel one that kind of moved the individual ones. That was sitting inside of a box. I believe my parents bought that television in the late 70s, and we had it for a very, very long time. Now, you buy a TV, four years later you got a new one because it broke. I, I did that. We had a TV, uh, a flat screen TV that came out. Uh, not, it was the, kind of in the first generations of them, and I bought one, and within a couple years, the video, in, inboard, outboard video card died. And I remember calling up the, the service dealer and saying, hey, can I get this repaired? And he said, it would cost you more to fix it than to buy a new one. And that's what he told me. My television, I think in the, in the time that I have been married, I have been through four televisions. I've, only, I've been married almost 13 years. Oh, wait, five televisions. Yeah, five different televisions since I went to college. TVs don't last. Appliances don't last. They used to say that you could get a refrigerator. It was easily going to last you 15 or 20 years. But now you're lucky if you get five out of them. Refrigerators and stoves, you know, appliances in our home, washers and dryers, they go out all the time. Clothes, clothes don't last either. Our good friend Scott Sober talks about these dungarees that he buys and he loves them because they last a very long time. Well, they probably cost a lot of money because, because you buy regular pairs of jeans. I have to get new jeans every year because they just don't survive. The things that we wear, they wear out. And sometimes, unfortunately, even relationships don't last as long as we'd like them to. Sometimes we feel like the people that we care about the most don't stick around as long as, as we hope they would for various reasons. Sometimes even our relationships, the things that are supposed to last, they don't. And so it's hard for us to understand this concept of undying, undying and enduring, a perpetual thing. But here's some examples of enduring relationships that we do think of. And while they may not be completely timeless, things that we think of when we think of enduring relationships. I think of long-lasting marriages. I think of those couples who've been married 65 years. I just, I think of that, you know, when you go to the weddings and they have the dance and they slowly whittle people away as the number of years that they've been married and, and at the end of the dance, there's always somebody who's been married there maybe 40, 50 years. They've just been together for, they've been together longer than they've been together, than, than, than they've been apart. And you think of that's enduring. Wow, what, a, what a, a relationship of just love and commitment to each other, these marriages. And when we think of things like that, we think of movies like The Notebook. This is a popular movie. A lot of ladies particularly like this movie because it is this concept of a love that does not die. Even, even at the end, they are together and they love each other. That's beautiful. In, in our kind of modern context or in our business world, um, something that's about as enduring as it's going to get is the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. That's an example that I thought of this week while I was preparing. We all know the Rooney family. The Rooneys have owned the Steelers since its inception. They are the ones who've been through it all this entire time, 1933, all the way to the present day. We're coming up on a 100-year anniversary of a, of a football team. That's an enduring relationship. 
Multiple teams around the NFL have shifted hands and they have different relationships with their owner. Sometimes the owner is good and treats the fans well and other times they don't. But in Pittsburgh, we at least know that that is a steady element in this, in this city. It's an idea, a concept of something that is enduring. But even in those types of family-owned organizations or long-lasting marriages, beautiful relationships that last a long time, it's still hard for us to fathom the concept of an, something that is undying, something that is perpetual. You know, it's something that, it's hard for us. We applaud things that last, but it's difficult for us to, to understand them, and our understanding of them is really limited at best. But when we read throughout Scripture that it says that God's love is unfailing, that God's love continues forever, it can be hard for us to understand that, to see what that might mean or what that might look like. Well, let's dive in today into into verse 5, and I believe that we're going to find some insights into what an undying love, what an enduring partnership with God looks like. Well, let's read it again. Psalm 100, verse 5, it says this, says, For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. And so our big idea for the day is this, sort of the thing that wraps up the whole message. I encourage you to write this down on your sermon notes. It says, God's love is not seasonal. God's love is not seasonal, and ours shouldn't be either. That's the big idea of the day. We're coming through Thanksgiving. Everybody's thinking about how thankful they are. And maybe even if after last week, you're directing your thankfulness to God. And then we get into the Christmas season. We think about who Jesus is and how he came and gave us salvation and life that we've never had before. But then January rolls around and things kind of get back into the groove of the regular everyday life. And our tendency at that point is to think, well, the holiday season is over. And naturally, sort of in the back of our heads, we don't always direct that same devotion and thankfulness to God. But when we find in Psalm 100, verse 5, is that God's love is not seasonal. It says it's unfailing. It says it continues forever. It says that his faithfulness continues to each generation. So what does God's enduring love look like? If we know that God's love is not seasonal, that it doesn't come with the wind and it doesn't, when it's warm outside, God loves me more, but when it's winter, you know, like, man, God must be really far away because it's so cold. Like, that's not how it works. God's love is the same all the time. So there are three things that I, that I found as I was studying this week about what God's love is like and how we can understand its enduringness, its undyingness, its perpetualness, and our minds can wrap around it. The first thing is this, God's enduring love is desirable desirable. The very first part of verse 5 says the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's always in the right. God has the benefit of the perspective that is way high and above anything that any of us could ever see or fathom. And because of that, he has the ability to transform any circumstance that might be used to negatively affect you and to change its path or to, to dramatically affect it so that you can come out in the best possible position given the circumstances. God is a master at taking horrible circumstances and transforming them for his purposes, which always include the best for you. Now, that doesn't always, doesn't always mean, now don't hear me what I'm saying, it doesn't mean that your situation is going to change 
that things are going to get better on the outside, the financial situation that you might find yourself in that is difficult, when you pray, God, how did we get here? How can I get out of this? Will you please help me? God says, I will help you. And sometimes helping you means putting you through it instead of out of it. And so, but God has the ability to see something to go, wow, you are going to end up over here, maybe in bankruptcy or, or maybe in some, some, who knows, maybe tax evasion or something like that that could be horribly detrimental to you and your family. And God sees that. And sometimes he will say, you know what? He looks up there and he says, I can transform this situation and I can pull you out stronger on the other side because God is good. He cares about us. He sees. He has the benefit of the ultimate perspective. He is faithful. He is loving. He is merciful and forgiving. And the best thing about life is when we find him. His love trumps everything. The fact that God is good ultimately over, over, over kills or, or just it completely trumps the idea of any problems that we have. The things that we struggle with, we know God is good. If that's the foundation that we work off of, that God is good and he loves me and he's always working on my behalf to make me the person he wants me to be, to make me into the likeness of Jesus Christ, then I look at my situations differently. When I know that, that God is love, that he is good, that makes his love desirable. That makes it, I want more of his love because I know that the closer I get to him, the more I'm going to understand his ways, the more I understand his purposes, the more I can see the things that are going on in my life that I don't understand. He'll shed light and revelation into those things to help me understand them. Even if I have to endure the hardship Being close to him will shed light into how I'm supposed to navigate through it until I come out on the other side. God's love is desirable. His enduring love is desirable. And I would be happy to have his love forever. So when it says that the Lord is good and his unfailing love continues forever, that's good news. It is a desirable thing to have because God is always working on our behalf and he is always intimately loving us. So God's love is, in, is desirable. His enduring love is desirable, but it's also loyal. It's also loyal. The verse continues. It says, his unfailing love continues forever. His unfailing love continues forever. Well, you know what that means? That means that he can't be persuaded otherwise. There is nothing you could do, nothing that you could do that would make God love you any less. There's nothing that anyone could do to make his unfailing love not continue forever. It's who he is. Because of the nature of who God is, because he is perfect, because he is good. You see, because we heard in the very beginning of the verse, the Lord is good, now because of his character, he is obligated to continue to do what he said he's going to do. Because he is good, he is going to continue to love forever, even when we slap him in the face with our actions or our attitudes or our behaviors. His unfailing love will continue forever. Our opinions, our actions, they don't change that. He will always see you the same. He will always show up in your life. He promises it. In fact, there's a song that we sing sometimes called One Thing Remains. And the verse or the chorus of the song says, Your love never fails, it never gives up, and it never runs out on me. And as I was preparing this week and this morning as I was praying over this message, that last part of that song, I wonder if it maybe is for someone in the room today. It never runs out on me. 
That's a hard thing for me to grasp, the concept of never running out, because I had a father and a mother who have always been there, but some of you have not. Some of you have had a situation where a parent has run out on you, or maybe the part before that where it says it never gives up. Maybe you have had someone give up on you, just throw their hands up in the air and say, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. I'm sick of you, and I'm sick of the way you act. I'm done. And there's something to be said about our actions and the consequences that they reap, but what God is saying here in verse 5 is that his unfailing love, first of all, it is impossible for it to fail. So some of us love, but we love imperfectly. We love selfishly at times, and, but God, his love is unfailing, and it continues forever. That means that that song is true. Your love never fails. It never will give up on you, and it will never run out on you. And if you have struggled with this concept of self-worth because someone has given up on you so that maybe you've given up on yourself, or maybe because your father or your mother or a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or someone ran out on you in the moment that you needed them the most, you now feel like you are damaged goods or that you couldn't trust anyone ever again. No, what God's word says is that he will never run out on you. That he will always be there for you. And I just pray that if there's someone in the room who needed to hear that today, that you will hear this truth, that God's love is loyal. When you love him, he promises to love you back with everything that he has because he's good. He's not a deadbeat dad. He's not an abusing spouse. He is the one who will love you perfectly, who will always take care of you and always has the best in mind for you. He is loyal and nothing you could do will ever stop that. God's love, his enduring love is desirable. God's enduring love is loyal. And thirdly, God's enduring love is generational. So that last part of the verse says, and his faithfulness continues to each generation, to each generation. This is not a one-time deal. That's the beauty of this. Is that it's not like just I come and to church and I accept Jesus and I begin a journey with him, that that's the last time that he really shows me his love or that he's faithful. No, it's available to all. God's love is available to all of us. It's available to you. It's available to your kids. It's available to their kids and their kids, and on and on and on. And that's what it means when it says his faithfulness continues to each generation. This means that the decision that you make, the decision that I make to follow Jesus, changes the destiny of your kids. We tell my mom this all the time. My mom grew up in a very rough home life. Her father was an alcoholic and a drunk emotionally abusive, sometimes physically abusive. My mom would tell the stories about how she just hated living in her house with her brother and her sister and her stepmom. Her mother passed away when she was a late teenager. My mom found Jesus when she was a teenager, and everything changed for her. She found a love that was unfailing because her father failed constantly. She found a love that wouldn't give up because her dad decided to give up in his actions. She found a love that wouldn't run out on her because no matter what she did, God was always there for her. So she made a choice. She decided that she was not going to live the life and repeat the cycle that her family still lives to this day. But my mother moved, went to a Christian school, 
married a good Christian man who I now know is my father, Frank. And uh, they got married, and they've had three kids, myself, my brother, and my sister. And we look back over our lives, and we've all gone through our own things. We've all made our own choices. We've all ran away from God at one point or another because you have to find faith yourself. You got to explore faith yourself. I'm not telling you to follow Jesus because Pastor Jared said, I'm saying experience who God is and explore what faith means in him. And when you do, you'll never turn back. But this legacy, this concept of the generations, God's unfailing love is faithful to all generations, happened because my mom made a decision to follow Jesus. And because she decided to follow Jesus, her life went on a different path. And when she met my dad and they had children and I was born, I was born into a different destiny than I could have been had she married a man from the streets where, where, you know, where she had lived. And that is what's available to you and to your kids, to their kids and to their kids. That's what's available to the people in our neighborhoods when they, when they hear the love of Jesus. That's what Wendy Mellon gets to take with her to Omaha, Nebraska, when they've life-flighted her daughter to another hospital in hopes that she gets better there. That now she has found something in this church that she can take with her and talk to her son. Because that's what she said. One of the things that she said to me was, my son's in college and he doesn't really, you know, faith is sort of not personal for him. And she said, I'm excited to introduce my son to a church like yours in Omaha. That is the passage at work. That's what we're seeing here. God's love, his faithfulness, is, it continues and endures from generation to generation because Wendy found something, she can now give it to her children. God's enduring love is generational and it affects our community. So when we do outreaches, this coming Thursday, we're doing Light Up Lawrenceville. We still need volunteers if you would sign up after church. You're not just helping kids make cookie decorating. You're not just helping them make ornaments. What you're doing is you're extending God's tangible love to people in a community who desperately need it. They're walking in darkness. They think that they know what life is like, but they're lost. They're they're living restless lives. They're searching for meaning. And we can love them and show them the practical love of Jesus. And it can be dramatically changing the life of their kids in their own life. And then on Saturday, we're having our cookie mall where we're giving away free cookies that we're baking, giving them away to people, just showing them love and having conversations. We don't just do this stuff to be nice. We do it because we want to show God's love, because we want to to communicate God's faithfulness to each generation. We turn outward so that we can show people what God has done in our lives in here. You know? God's enduring love is desirable It's loyal and it's generational. But that's only the half. So the first part was we said that God's love is enduring, but that the response to him is an enduring partnership. And so quickly I put together a couple thoughts. Our partnership with God needs three things. Number one, it needs commitment. Our partnership with God needs commitment. That means we need to work at this relationship. Think of those those married couples. So the couples who have been married 65 years, 70 years. If they've been married that long... If you ask them, you interview them, what is the secret to your marriage? Oftentimes, they won't say things like communication, which you would think. They don't say a great sex life, which I'm sure helps. 
they say the bottom line is it's commitment. It wasn't always easy. Things get rough sometimes. Things get hard. But we're committed to each other. And if you want an enduring relationship with God, we need to have commitment with him. And that's, that takes time. And that means regular time with God. Just like that married couple has to spend time together, whether they're going on dates, whether they're just talking in the kitchen, whatever it might be, that they spend time with, the, with each other. In our relationship with God, we need to spend time with him. And that's things like prayer, which is just talking to God. So that chat that I can have with my wife sitting on the couch or at the dinner table just hanging out talking about something, that can be prayer with, with God, just telling him what's in my heart and listening, reading the Bible and being intentional in our lives. How do we see God? How do we spend time with him, attribute the things that are his to him? Wow, that sunset. God, that's beautiful. You made that. It's amazing. Commitment to our partnership with God. Our partnership with God needs commitment, but it also needs action. It also needs action. This means showing him how we feel. This means three things. It means our time. It means our energy and our resources. If if I told my wife all the time that I loved her, but I never did anything for her to prove it, she's going to eventually be like, I hear what you're saying, but your actions don't match up. You ever heard the the phrase, the picture is worth a thousand words? This is the same concept here, is that, that an action speaks louder than words. Yes, it's important to to be committed and to say it, but it's also more important to show it. And in our relationship with God, we need to give our time to Him. That means we need to make our relationship with Him a priority. That means we need to give energy. So time is like the is the is the number. So okay, I could give an hour here or a half an hour there, or I come to church on Sunday and that's an hour and a half or whatever. That's the time portion of it. But energy is about your priorities. Energy is about where do I spend my energy and how much of a priority is it for me. So when we want to give God our energy, that means I'm not going to give him the leftovers. That, not, that doesn't mean I'm going to you know, open my Bible at the last five minutes when I lay my head down on the pillow and I fall asleep halfway through the Scripture. That's not a priority. The priority, the energy that God desires from us is to make our relationship with him a priority. And our resources. That's why we have giving moments here is because we know that giving to God. He asks us, he says, take what you, I have given you, all of it, I've given you, all good things comes from me, comes from above. So as you give, when you give back, you're actually saying, God, thank you for what you provided for me. And you provide it back and you say, I will give you my tithes. I will give you the offerings. And when I give generously, God takes it and blesses us back. We have action. So our partnership with God needs commitment. It needs action. And lastly, it needs example. It needs example. We have this sign on the right side of the auditorium that has the three E's that we sort of live by here. We have experience God, explore faith, and express publicly. We want to express what we've done. So this is what we're talking about when we have our outreach on Thursday and Saturday. We are taking what God has done in our lives and we're showing the world. Part of it is, is you hear me all the time talking about my wife and how much I love her. And I tell you that. Because I'm setting an example to show what, what, what my wife, how, how my being in a relationship with her has, has changed me as a man. It's the same thing. It's one thing to tell God how much I love him. It's another thing to do the dishes, you know, to work, to serve in church, to sign up for outreach. But expressing how I love my God publicly That means wearing it on my sleeve. That means when I have opportunities, showering her 
with love, showering God with my appreciation in ways that feel relevant. I'm not saying you need to walk around with a sandwich board sign all the time that says, you know, I love God. You could, I guess, if you wanted to. But when the moments are right, when the moment feels the right opportunity comes along, we want to express what God has done. We want to live our lives by example, and we do that. We can live our lives by example. We can also teach our children, our family, our coworkers, our community, as they see our lifestyle is different. But that's the trick. Our lifestyle has to be different. We have to, there has to be something different about us so that when I'm going through that really difficult situation, when I know that I'm directing it to God is good, he's working on my behalf, he's loyal to me, he will never run out of me. And they go, man, don't you just hate your circumstance? I'm so sorry, your life sucks. But like, you know what, things are really difficult. You don't need to like, you don't, being a Christian doesn't mean you can't be real. And you can say, yeah, it's difficult, but I know it's gonna be okay. And the next question out of their mouth is, well, how do you know that? Well, there's your opportunity. Because you know what? I serve, I serve God, and he, he's never let me down. But you can't say that unless you believe it, you know? So let's live our lives by example. Let's teach people. Let's invite people. Let's include people. That's this Everyone Invite One campaign. We want to help people to experience what God is doing in our lives and include them so that that generational concept, that, that, that there are children all over our community who are struggling and need hope in their lives, but they can't get it because their parents don't have it. But their parents can get it because we're giving them hope here. When they find Jesus, their lives can change and he can transform their relationships. And that transforms the life of their children. We want that at this church. We want this community to feel that. And that happens by invitations. So if the worship team wants to come out, the challenge for the day is this is to be part of the enduring relationship. You can be part of it. And so we talked about the five responses to God this month. And that's really how we can live out this challenge. If we want to be part of the enduring relationship, enduring partnership with God, we want to live with intense joy. That was week one. A joy that just fills us overflowing we want to have a ferocious love. We want to love God with, with fervor, with passion, with energy. We want to have an interactive faith. Well, people will see that we are interacting with God. When you're reading your Bible at lunch and they're going to say, why are you doing that? Because I grew up in a church and I've never read my Bible. And they say, because this, this, this life that comes out of it, it just changes me. Intentional thanksgiving, telling God that you are thankful for what he has done for you. And all of that together equals an enduring partnership. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.